2: each week, they explore the world
0: of writing, publishing, and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers, and much more. With students enrolling from all over the world, you can find out more about the Australian Writers' Centre at writercentre.com.au. Hello,
2: everyone. Welcome to episode 227 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name is Valerie Koo, and I'm here with the hopefully still excited Alison Tate. Al, don't disappoint me.
1: I'm a loss for words. Am I still excited? I'm sort of still excited. Does that better? Is that okay? I'm probably not as excited as I was last week. I was a little bit overexcited last week. I think it has to be said. It was good. Um, I'm, I'm Yep. I'm, well, you know, Gosh, look at me. I don't even know what to say to you because I don't want to disappoint you, but my levels of excitement are not as high as they were last week. I'm still excited though because my book is out next week. Yes. You kind of have to maintain. But I'm also at the point now, so we've got a week to go before the Book of Answers hits the show. I'm really at that stage now of just in kind of – just anticipate it's that dreadful anticipation of, of hoping it goes well you know it's that yes yes yeah, yeah.
2: Ooh, cool cool well that's <laughs> that's very exciting I'm excited that your book is out next week
1: yeah well you know that's good see you just get excited enough for both of us most of the time so <laughs> I'm just riding your coattails of excitement
2: so what else is happening what are you doing are you doing anything significant in the planning? For the launch or when when it's officially launched, have you saved a bottle of champagne that you're going to crack open? Talk me through it.
1: <laughs> Talk you through my drinking habits. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm actually – I've decided this time because often – so I had a launch for book one of the series of the Outer Band Cipher, the Book of Secrets. I had a launch and I had a cake and I drank champagne and it was all very fun. I had a party at my house oh. and and that was great. Um, But I sort of don't really do – and I did that with the first book of the Mapmaker Chronicles as well. Um, But I don't usually do that with sort of the, you know, ensuing books. But I have decided this time Mm. that I am going to go out and drink gin with a few of my personal lady friends, which I'm very – yeah, I am. Um, I've just gone, you know what? I'm actually going to, because often I don't even mark it. It's just like the, it comes out, I go down to the bookshop, I do a little happy dance, so there's a whole lot of stuff. And then I come home and, you know, make sausage casserole for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that fun. And that was the end of it, you know? And I thought, oh, oh no. I, I know.
2: You should um, be marking these milestones I with know, some kind of I know. And I've realised
1: I'm, I'm a terrible under celebrator. Oh, I, we've I really am. I'm a terrible under-celebrator. So I'm trying to make amends. Mm. So I'm going to go out and drink some gins. So I'll let you know how that goes. At what
2: kind of establishment will you be drinking this gin?
1: Well, there's a very cool kind of um, steam, strangely enough, in my small south coast town. There's a a sort of a steampunk-themed bar. Really? Gin bar. And they – they do some very good gin cocktails, but I'm actually not so much a cocktail person. I'd really just quite, I like a, a straight whiskey. I like yeah. a gin and tonic. I like, you know, I'm pretty much a straightforward sort of a drinker. You know, I like a beer. We've talked about that before. Yes. Um, but I, yeah, so I, I think I'll go there. It's a really nice atmosphere. They have booths, you know. Mm. And they have games. So nice. we sit, play 500 and drink gin, and it's like being in, you know, 1935. It's really good. <laughs> That
2: sounds awesome. I'm not doing anything that exciting, I don't think.
1: Well, you can come if you want. It's just a little bit of a drive for you. Be <laughs> cool. A long drive. Yeah, Maybe no. I'll
2: Skype in. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> bring, of bring Skype, Skype. Yes. this week we were on Channel 7 News, Prime Time, at the Australian Writer Centre, showing how we Skype, um, we mentor um writers all over the country via Skype or you know really? via online video in you know yes so that it was pretty cool um the camera crew came over to to film us doing it and um we had to
1: tidy the office <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> Did you have to put the, you know, the many copies of Hamilton away and sort of stop with the show tunes and the dancing or what? It did
2: stop with the show tunes and the dancing, but I tried to get lots of photos of my um, cat, Rexy, into, you know, the shot wherever possible, and I placed photos of him strategically all around my desk, but they wanted me to sit at someone else's desk because it was better light.
1: <laughs> oh, you're kidding.
2: So Rex. So you're not, not even get, at your own desk when no, they when Rexie you're didn't sitting there. get on television.
1: He won't know. He won't mind. But I know. It'll be okay.
2: Okay. Anyway. So yes, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was the excitement for the week at the centre. That Australian is exciting. you
1: You're on the telly.
2: Yeah, on the telly.
1: Goodness me, <laughs> Val. I don't know. Like I just feel like I'm in the presence of a megastar. Yeah, right. <laughs> Really, I do. I really Uh,
2: do. All right. Well, let's move on. I'm not the one with the book coming out nationally next week, Al. That's pretty exciting.
1: That is true. But I have to tell you, uh, so I went to do a school talk um, Mm -hmm. last week and I – it was like the first one where I was – the book of answers had its first outing into Mm -hmm. the classroom. It was a very exciting moment for me. But I went to do – So the the school that Mister Eleven, my youngest son, is at, um, a bookboy junior as he's known, um, I went to do their uh, grade fives because uh, they've got NAPLAN coming up, and the school said to me when I come along, and of course you know I'm very helpful, community minded kind of a chick, so off I went, Um, and I've forgotten where I was going with this. (laughs) What were we talking about? Oh, famous, being famous, right? Mm -hmm. So I walked into the room and everybody goes and and the teacher says, and this is, you know, Alison Tate and she writes as A.L. Tate and blah, 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 and this kid goes, you're Lucas's mum. And I'm like, like, yeah, that's right. That's what I'm famous for. So then I had to sit there and say, well, you know, as well as being his mum, I am also an author, and this, these are my six books, you know.
2: <laughs> oh, that is so funny. That is like, I was at Brisbane Airport in the Qantas Lounge once, and this man came up and he said, Are you Valerie Koo? And I said, Yes. And he said, How's
1: Rex? <laughs> oh, are you kidding? <laughs>
2: how's Rex? My cat!
1: I get that around. I get that around town all the time. People come up to me, and this woman came up to me in the street the other day. And hello, if you're listening. So I'm out the front of the optometrist, and I'm walking along, and I'm minding my own business. And and this lovely woman comes up to me and says, "Are you? Are you Alison Tate? You're Alison Tate." And I'm like, "Yes, I am." And she goes, "I recognise the dog. That's Procrastinap, isn't it?" Oh my god. So you know what, as far as fame goes, I am very far down the list, you know, after my two sons, my dog, yes. and then somewhere down there is me. Yeah, so you're more famous than I am.
2: No, my cat's more famous than all of us.
1: <gasps> yeah, but you were trying to make him famous by right. putting him on the telly. Yeah,
2: it's true. But it didn't work, you see, so he's famous anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Gosh.
1: Right, where were we, Val? So we talk yes. about writing? Probably yes, time Yes, I that.
2: think we should talk about writing. Let's move on to the world of writing and publishing. Our first link uh, today comes from Time magazine, so time.com. And I really like this because there's a particular author who is giving writers $2,800 if they write a crime novel without a female victim. I love mm. this. This is this is cool, don't you think? So yeah. the Staunch Book Prize um, offers – £2,000 – that's why £2,800 is a bit weird um, of a weird number, but it's just a conversion and I think that's US dollars – is open to published and unpublished books and someone called Bridget Lawless uh, founded the contest – after getting sick of the fact that violence against women was a go-to motivator in books and films and TV shows and and so on, you know. She's mm. saying, we haven't really moved too far from the silent movies. Women are still being tied to the tracks, but now they've got to be raped first. So I love <laughs> this fantastic initiative. So, yeah. Yeah. Open for submissions from February 22nd to July 15 with the winner being announced on November 25, which is the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There you go. I do feel strange sometimes because when I read a crime novel or a psychological thriller, which is often related to crime, where often a crime is perpetrated – I do get sucked in. Like there is no doubt, I get sucked mm. into the story, especially if it's well written and I'm—it's a page turner—and I do feel a bit strange sometimes that I am getting so into a book that is, you know,
1: about crime, violent, and yeah. No, it's a funny yeah. thing, isn't it? Ooh. I have to say though, and I—I—I I, I know exactly uh, where this author is coming from and why this prize has been set up too. But I, I think the thing um, that I've noticed most in the last, I don't know, five to ten years probably really um, with crime novels is the thing that drove me crazy about them, not so much lately I guess because I've sort of changed um, the authors I'm reading, mm. but it was it was all about pedophilia. There was just, it was mm. that for a long time, that was the big that was a big theme and to the point where I just I stopped reading mm. some authors. A lot of um, I noticed American crime novelists, Uh, went down that road so I stopped I just stopped because it was just kind of like you just knew that somewhere in this mix Mm. there was going to be that and I think maybe also because I had young kids I just was not interested you know in reading it at all And so I do think some of it is where you are in your life and stuff but for me crime I guess I do read a lot of crime and the reason I read it I think is probably because I like plot I I really like plot driven novels and crime tends to be character um and plot like that's your main thrust of you know generally speaking what you're reading is for is that um when you read a really well written one you also then get uh, you know a terrific amount of writerly craft as well but a lot of the and again i'm generalizing a bit here but um particularly uh big u.s crime novelists it was very much just you know story. It was all about action and it was plot and it was short chapters and it was very much, you know, driving you through the story that way. And I like that about, I, I do look for that in stories because I like, um, I like to get caught up in a story and I find sometimes, mm. uh, and I, the other thing I, I think the reason people read crime as well is it's, it's kind of other. So if you're reading, it's sort of like you're reading something, Um, that's not really... Not real. (laughs) Not really happening. If you know it's happening, Mm. but it's happening in some other world, so therefore it's not really affecting you. So it's kind of a safe way to... Safe way to look at it. I, I, I'm sure that's because it is the most popular genre, and yeah. or one of them. Like it's mm. it's love and death is pretty much what we're you know what we're all about, isn't it? As humans, um, with the reading, with the genre, and so you know you've got to look at why is that the case? Like it's that it's kind of a weird escapism. It mm. takes you out of your boring old everyday life, walking the dog, and into something that's a lot more sort of interesting, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, look, you know let's, there's so much talk about, you know, in the, in the media about violence and, and women and sexual harassment and stuff. Mm. Um, and to, you know, to give the challenge of writing a story that doesn't involve that, I think is a great one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So big thumbs up for Bridget Lawless. So the next link we've got is from the Writing Cooperative. And I think this is cool because um, this post is the ultimate guide to building a writing habit. That sticks like superglue. It's a slightly misleading um, headline because really it's – It. I think it's more accurately, it's kind of like the lies or myths that we tell ourselves in mm-hmm. order to um, be a good writer or mm-hmm. in order to succeed as a writer. And um, these are kind of the stories we tell ourselves. And one of the ones that I really love is we often tell ourselves, look uh, – This And we hear it time and time again. You know, I was having – I caught up with someone recently and this was what she was telling herself, that she just – that it involves a huge commitment and that she Mm. needed to wait until, you know, Mm. her kids were grown up or something before. Mm. And, I mean, the thing is if you have that attitude, when your kids grow up you'll probably have to wait until some other thing happens. You're caring Mm. for your ageing parent or whatever. So I think that if you make it a, a mountain in front of you, it, will never, it you'll never even start climbing it. And telling yourself it involves a huge commitment is just completely wrong, <laughs> because you can, as you have said many times, you can write in snatch time. You can mm-hmm. also do your 530 which is Mm. um, maybe you want to explain what that is in case there's some listeners who don't know what that is.
1: Well, it's basically sitting down and trying to write 500 words in 30 minutes and you set yourself a time and you set yourself a timer and if you're only doing 30 minutes and you're only aiming for 500 words, it doesn't feel like an insurmountable task and you generally find that you will write more, generally speaking. Once you get started… Then it's and because uh, I think the biggest difficulty that uh, a lot of writers have is just the getting started. It's it's yeah. so easy to put it off and it's so easy to to um, find something else. That is, you know, more important when in actual fact if writing is important to you, then you need to prioritise it and the best way to do that is to start, is to yep. actually sit down and get going. Um, so that's, you know, um, the, you will find people using the hashtag 530 on Twitter or, or on Facebook and, you know, if you see it, jump on and have a go.
2: Yeah. And even if you don't have 30 minutes, you can write in 15 minutes. So you don't yep. need four-hour blocks just to be no. a
1: no, people all. who put aside whole days to write just make me nervous really. Mm, I just don't yeah. understand what you do.
2: Well, make cups of tea and stuff probably. Mm-hmm. I think because mm-hmm. um, I remember talking to the lovely Heather Smith once and she's written I've lost count how many books now, maybe seven or something, and some of them uh, are, uh, remain on the bestseller lists. Um, yeah. She divided her, you know, writing process, I guess, up into 500 words. Exactly that because 500 words is completely doable. You can manage – they're very manageable chunks and over time, all those 500 words add up. So, Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. that's a very important one. Absolutely. And also in this post, there's this thing – Writing is inherently difficult. That's a story we often tell ourselves as well, and I think that comes from that. Uh, you know, the the the. I remember that there was, I used to go to school with a girl who um, she she wanted to grow up and become. This is her words, not mine. An artist starving in a garret. <clears throat>
1: There's an aspiration.
2: <laughs> yes, there's an aspiration. And she was very arty and musical and, you know, dramatic and stuff. And dramatic? Like,
1: no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um
2: and you know, she, she 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 did the drama classes. Um mm. And I was just like, "Why would you want to be an, uh, grow up to be an artist starving I in mean, a you know, garret because she felt that you needed to suffer for your art and yes and, and I just think that that 's crazy. I mean, if you 're a masochist, okay, go for it, but it 's not necessary it 's a silly aspiration. Mm-hmm. it doesn 't have to be difficult." It can be something that is really enjoyable. you just need to set yourself up for in your mind, not in your not necessarily in your environment. you just set yourself in your in your mind that you don't have to suffer, you don't have to squeeze the words out.
1: Well, I have to say, like can I just take a moment here to say that some days you just do? actually well, have to do yeah. that because some days it is awful. I'm sorry, it is. I'm not saying it's difficult. I'm not saying that you have to bleed. I'm not saying any of those mm. things. But if you are writing something, there are days when it is going to be more difficult than others because there are going to be days where it just doesn't come as much, you know, it doesn't come as quickly or it doesn't come as easily as you would like it to. And that's probably, it's, you know, in the, on the scale of things, it's about how you feel about it. But- I would say that on those days, if you get 200 words down, walk away, come back the next day, and you will probably find that 3,000 words flow from your fingertips in a totally different way, trying to push, like, I am all for... um, writing as often as you can. And I am all for sitting down and doing, you know, 10 minutes here and 15 minutes there. But I am not for belting your head against a brick wall. And I have days where I am at a point in a story where I am trying, because we've discussed this before, so much of writing is problem solving. And so sometimes you have to write through those problems and it can feel hard because you're not quite sure what you're doing. And it's always that thing of not quite sure what you're doing. And I don't care if you're a planner or a plotter or a pantser or what you are, Mm -hmm. but you will still have these days. Even people with, you know, meticulously planned 20,000 word outlines will have days when scenes just don't work and you're not quite sure why and the best possible thing that you can do at that point is go for a walk or Mm. play basketball or have a bath or have Have a a shower, shower. Mm. whatever it is that you do to kind of just um, because if it's at the forefront of your mind – and it's not happening, you need to just put it away to the back of your mind and let your subconscious work on it because so much of what writing is happens in that thought process Um, and then you come back to it the next day and you're back to, you know, where you've actually got, aha, that's what I need to do and then Mm. off you go again. And when when you're in one of those moments where you're at the, Ah, that's what I need to do. And the words are flying. There is nothing better. It is the most fun ever. Yep. But, you know, I'm not going to um, – I think part of the problem is it's like a general – it's like a writerly bonding thing, you know, yeah. where we stand around and we go, oh, it's so hard and I can't do this and I had to <laughs> do that. And, it's all. and And you know what? That's okay. Um, But you don't also have to buy into that all the time. No. Hmm. I, I agree. Some days it's just good. Some yes. days it's good and some days are not so good. And there's no it, – it's like any job. Some days are good and some days are not so good. Yep. Um, but you still have to get the job done and that's all it is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That was a really good little explanation.
1: Did I have a moment there?
2: I Ooh. think you had a moment.
1: Yeah, definitely. i have to listen back to it later. <laughs> and <you> said. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Now, let's move on to this really cool story uh, that happened with um, Norwegian Air, as in the airline, Hmm. because there was a frustrated passenger called Gus Dolding who is not actually a writer or a poet. In fact, I don't think he had penned a poem before, but he decided to write a poem on Norwegian Air's Facebook page (laughs) because he was really annoyed. And he said, why can't you be fair, Norwegian Air? No headphones do you include. Nine hours with no free food. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, uh, there was a bit of an issue because he wanted to change the name on his ticket and
1: mm-hmm. he
2: continued, I admit it was wrong to put his first name as Bill, William Edward Gabriel, the seat whose bum will fill. 120 euros for what? For two minutes of typing, that's rather a lot. In other words, they wanted to – charge yep. him 120 euros to change the name then why can't you be fair Norwegian Air, just skip the amendment fee and just let us change it for free mm. so <laughs> Norwegian Air, to their credit responded with a poem of their own, dear Gus we understand all the fuzz we, we try our best to reduce all the buzz but fear not because we do not throw anyone under the bus especially not a person like you since diamonds in this world are so few <laughs> Just tickled me.
1: <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Goodness gracious me. That's hilarious.
2: Oh, I think it's so cute.
1: All right. And so the fee was waived.
2: It the fee was waived, yes. I have to I had I had a period in my life where I entered a lot of competitions and I wrote a poem for each of them. So oh, I just this is Oh, the twenty five words so or
1: less poems. Those
2: sorts, yes. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> Gotta love those. How how were did you win? Did
2: you ever win? I (gasps) did. I did. Not all the time. I remember this one um, for Toblerone and I wrote this. I spent so much time on this poem and I didn't win and I was so, like, disappointed. But I won, like, a world clock. I had to, like, you know, go to the headquarters of, I don't know, whoever made it, Sony or Seiko or whatever, and um, be presented the world clock by the CEO and I thought it was very international at the age of nine or something. So... (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: that's why I like little poems. I won a Barbie once. I'm just trying to remember. No, it was a Cindy doll. She was, yeah, I, yeah, I had to write. I'm just trying to think about this. I would have been about eight, I think. I was living in the Northern Territory. Maybe I wasn't even quite eight. I was living in the Northern Territory and it was some kind of cereal box thing. Uh, You know where they used to do that and you could win a Cindy doll and, She was in a ballet outfit and I was at that point in my life a ballet dancer, so it was quite a thing. And I'm pretty sure I had to write, like it was a written thing. You had to send in your 25 words or less. But I don't know if I wrote a poem, but I won. I won the Cindy doll. Well done. And she turned up in her purple tutu and she was quite spectacular. And I'm pretty sure that that might have been the last one I ever won was my (laughs) Cindy doll when I was eight. (laughs) Which suggests I either don't enter enough competitions, yes, or I need to work on my poetry.
2: You've got to be in it to win it, and if you want to enter a competition and practice your writing skills, remember there's always Furious Fiction. So our March Furious <laughs> Fiction winner did that. Might like have been the best segue?
1: segue you've ever done.
2: <laughs> <That was> just, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm just sitting here thinking, where is she going with this?
2: A <laughs> <laughs> March Furious Fiction winner will be announced this week. So, who among you will be the lucky writer scoring $500 cash? So, make sure you're in the Furious Fiction fan club to be notified when each competition opens. The next round kicks off on the 6th of April. So, sign up at writercentre.com.au/slash fury. That's writercenter.com.au slash fury before then because you need to um, you, you need to be notified because what happens on the first Friday of every month at 5 p.m., we give out the clues. These are the clues that you need to – well, not clues, but these are the parameters that you – or words that need to be included in your story and you have 55 hours to write your 500-word story. There's lots of Fs involved. And 55 <laughs> hours later – Entries close and the person who writes um, uh, the winning short story of 500 words or fewer wins $500. So, sign up. So, let's move on to another competition.
1: (laughs) Because we're doing so well with them.
2: (laughs) Yes. Let's do that. Thanks to Mad Men Entertainment, we have 20 double passes to the death of Stalin, which is banned in Russia and loosely Mm -hmm. based – ...on true events. It's in cinemas from the 29th of March. It's a comedy of terrors. The one-liners fly fast as political fortunes fall... ...in this uproarious, wickedly irreverent satire... ...from Armando Iannucci uh and he's done um, VEEP, you know the TV series VEEP and In the Loop. Um and it's set in Moscow in 1953 when tyrannical dictator Joseph Stalin drops dead. His parasitic cronies square off in a frantic power struggle to be the next Soviet leader. Featuring oh, lots of Awesome people, Steve mm. Buscemi, Rupert Friend, Jason Isaacs, and many more. So go to writercenter.com.au slash win in order to enter. Entries close 26th of March. So, ow. Since I got feedback from yourself and
1: listeners, <laughs> others, that- <laughs> yourself and others, yes.
2: That People weren't very fond of my attempts at uh, another language. I will just say this in English.
1: Oh, please are you, do.
2: Are you ready for the word of the week? Yes. Awesome. I, because I thought about it and I'm ready. <laughs> Next time you want to insult someone, you can say this, and they won't know because people don't know these things. Kukurbiter.
1: Or just Cucurbitur. think it. <laughs> You sound See? like you're making some kind of bird call.
2: Well, I'm not insulting you. I'm insulting you. C U C U R B I T A, Cucurbita. Cucurvita. Now, for those people who are foodies or who are into vegetables, they may recognize the word Cucurbita as part of the family of fruit including squash and pumpkin, and that is because it comes from the Latin word for pumpkin. Cucurbita, you can eat a cucurbita, A cucurbita soup. However, the Romans did use it in a different way apart from referring to the pumpkin. They actually used it as an insult. Yeah.
1: What, calling people a pumpkin head?
2: Yeah, cucurbita. Cucurbita, and it was a quite common form of abuse. So using really? things in the plant world. Were, was actually quite common in those days to a, as an insult. So, mm. um, you know, fungi or fungi, which means mushrooms, mm. was often used as an insult because it was translated as, you mushrooms.
1: <laughs> you mushrooms.
2: You pumpkin. There I'm,
1: you go. Yep. Yeah. Okay, well, you know what, I, I honestly don't know that I have anything to say about that, Val, so I, we may just need to move on because I'm, I'm somewhat, You're you know, a confuzzled about that. <laughs> I right, am not then. a cucurbiter, okay, just quietly.
2: <laughs> well, we will move on then to our writer in residence, who is this week not only our writer in residence but our indexer. In residence, mm. ever wondered, Al? Because you know, when you read some books, there's some really comprehensive indexes at the back, because you know you might want to look stuff up, and so you go up the back to the index, and then you can see which pa- which page it refers to. It's particularly mm-hmm. the case in nonfiction books, mm-hmm. um, but it it can it's also it's in memoirs, but it's also in you know reference type nonfiction books. Somebody's job is to index the entire book. And it is National Indexing Day on the 29th of March. So I thought that we could have a chat with Denise Sutherland, who is not only an indexer, she's also an author and she has written cross, um, the, the dummies books on how to um, do crosswords. Oh. Yes, because I know that there are a lot of listeners who are into crosswords as well. So let's have a listen to Denise Thanks so much for joining us today, Denise. My pleasure. Now, National Indexing Day (laughs) is coming up on the 29th of March and it's being run by the Australian and New Zealand Society of Indexes. Now, you're an indexer, <laughs> can Indeed you? Indeed know? I am. And not many people think, oh, I want to grow up and be an indexer. Well, not many people even think that there are indexes. They just assume that these indexes kind of magically appear uh, at the end of books and, in, in, you know, in, in wherever it is that they, they come up. Tell us a little bit about first what is indexing just in case anyone needs clarification.
0: Okay Indexing is the process whereby um, usually an indexer, sometimes an author, um, goes through the whole manuscript of a publication. Usually when we use indexes, there are in nonfiction books. It might be uh, you know, a cookbook or a gardening book or you know, an academic book. And, but also journals have indexes. and we analyze the text, So we we start at the very beginning of a book, and we read and analyze the whole thing, and we write the index. So it's actually a creative process where we're actually reading, we're analyzing, we're figuring out how best to, um, you know, how do you summarize that concept in that paragraph in, you know, two or three words. Uh, and then we're putting in what we call locators because um, the page numbers, because they're not always page numbers sometimes, like in a, a legal document it might be paragraph numbers and things like that. And so it's a process of creating a finding aid for the book or the journal or the magazine mm. or whatever. And so, so it's
2: so actually,
0: yeah, it's it, a very intensive analytical
2: process. (laughs) And do you read the entire book first and then attack it with the indexing or do you index as you go on your first read?
0: Some index, it depends on how much time you have because indexing happens at the very end of the publication process. So generally you've got um, editors pushing you to deliver on time and often everyone else has run late but you get sort of squeezed in at the very end so often we're working to very tight deadlines sometimes yeah ideally you actually get a chance to read the book first but it's a bit of a rarity more often than not you you get a chance to sort of skim through it and have a get a bit of a feel for it but most of the time yeah you're indexing as you go without necessarily having read the text in full beforehand
1: so how
2: in the world did you get into indexing? Good question.
0: I was sort of looking, I do, I wear a, a bunch of different hats, including, you know, graphic designer and editor and author and a bunch of other things. And I was sort of feeling like I needed to, you know, it wasn't a lot of work coming in and I needed something else to add to my um, collection of hats. And I was actually talking with my sister, who's a historian, and she mentioned indexing. I was like, you know, how she needed to get her book indexed. I was like, yeah, what's what's indexing and she started she started mentioning it. I was like oh my god like <laughs> perfect career. Uh, really? Why did you yeah, get that? I just I just I don't know what it just really appeals to me it's the analysis aspect it's I, I'm also very, always very interested in lots of different topics and when you're in, when you're indexing you do all sorts of different books I mean I've done a book about makeup I've done cookbooks I've done you know, political science, I've done economics. Like, it's, it's, you, you, every book is a different topic and you're always learning new things. And I, I find that very appealing. I find the sort of the classification and, and creating lovely sort of information structures. I know it sounds very geeky, but they're very satisfying. <laughs> and, and, and you're always working on behalf of the reader. So you're really trying to make sure that a reader, you know, the book mightn't talk about a, a topic in a certain way, but you've got to think about ways that all the readers might approach or might be looking for for example a book on adolescence might not never mention the word teenager but some readers would look up teenager and they need to find it in the index so even if that word doesn't occur in the book it needs to occur in the index
2: yeah and so at the time when you went oh my god perfect career for me (laughs) were you a looking for a new career and b what primarily were you doing at the time I know you wear many hats but what were you kind of doing at the time
0: Probably mostly. Uh, I mean, I was probably writing um, some graphic design, some editing, proofreading that sort of work. And yeah, I, I was. I wasn't looking for a full career. I mean, indexing isn't a job generally that you can do full time with a full time income. It's it tends to be sporadic work. Um, and so I was just looking for another another string of my bow for my business I've been in business for 20 years and you know I think the the key to sort of staying afloat is to have a lot of different skills that you can bring to the table so sometimes if you know graphic design works not so much you know around I don't have much work in that regard I'll pick up a bunch of editing or or an index will come in and you know and so it, it tends to work out quite well for me.
2: And so obviously with indexing, you do have to be fairly anal and fairly um, be able to compartmentalize and categorize things. Yes. Are you neat as a person? Like is your house got everything labelled in nice boxes and that sort of I'm thing?
0: Not labeled, but yeah, I'm a minimalist and I am quite neat. <laughs> but I I wouldn't say that's a generalization for all indexes.
2: So. <laughs> so what was what's the feeling you get when you've indexed a a book really well or or the process of indexing what's satisfying about it how do you feel ah
0: you you just it's just um oh you feel proud that you've done a good job I mean you know very much you're working in the background no one will know who you were I mean most Mm -hmm. authors don't put a credit into their indexer and people just sort of assume that it's sort of magically appeared somehow and but it's it's very satisfying though that you've to know that you've created and, and you're actually part of the the process of writing the book more so than an editor because you're actually writing part of the book. And often in our process of indexing, I mean, we're not officially proofreaders, but we often pick up because we're doing things like indexing, you know, names and places and things like that. Um, we'll pick up the the inconsistencies, uh, uh, you know, mistakes in a name, or that have been used in the text. And I've done that on pretty much every book I've indexed. I've, you know, I've picked mm-hmm. up some bits and pieces that the, all the proofreaders and editors and the authors missed. And I'll say, oh, you know, you know, I don't think Paul Keating was the prime minister in 1970, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, oh my God, what was the wrong date, or, or you know, that this name spelt several different ways and which way is the correct one. And so that sort of thing. And so that we actually are, you know, we provide a valuable service in that regard as well. So it's, when, sort of by, it's sort of a byproduct of indexing, really.
2: Yes, yes. When you thought, okay, this is a great career, how did you then get into it?
0: Well, I joined um, Australian Society, Australian Museum Society of Indexes, ANSI, um, as the first thing. And then they were running, um, uh, they run occasional training courses. So there's not really any official training you can do, like through a university in, in Australia. There are some online courses that are run in the UK and in America, which you can obviously you know, sign up for, but they're online only. Um, but I did the training um, through the Australian organisation, which runs. Um, yeah, runs occasionally uh, depending on level of interest and and did the basic indexing course and then the intermediate indexing course as well. And, and it's very much sort of a learning through mentors. I had some you know, people in Canberra who really mentored me and helped a great deal. And, you know, you do things like index a book that you wish had an index, because a lot of new nonfiction <laughs> books nowadays are published without indexes, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, through often through cost, um, you know, people publishers trying to mitigate costs. And yeah, and, and you sort of, you know, do a do up an index for a, write a as a project for a book that you wish had an index and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's it's a lot of sort of helping each other out. It's a very, very collegial sort of setup.
2: Then how did you forget your first gig?
0: Ah, uh, that's, it's hard. It can be hard. I'm just trying to, I can't remember what my first gig was <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to me. Um, often it's sort of word of mouth. So one indexer will, like maybe one of your mentors will say, oh, look, you know, I'm not available to do this index because I'm booked. Would you like to do this? Or, you know, and, and you can have a website, you can have a listing on the ANSI website, that sort of thing. But it's, yeah, it's a bit tricky getting your foot in the door sometimes.
2: Yeah, 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 for sure. So then, h- how long would it take? I know this is a bit how long is a piece of string, but maybe you can give yeah. us an example of, you know, a 60,000 word book t- took this long or something. So, how long would it yeah. take to index yeah. a book?
0: Yeah, very much how long is a piece of string. It depends on several things. How many pages are in the book? What's the intended audience? So, if it's like a book yeah. for children, that will be tends to be quicker if it's a book for an academic audience. Um, that's much harder. Sort of a, you know, a, a three hundred page academic text. So something that's like a, you know, political science or biology. Yeah, you know, so, something that's really written for academics will take about sixty hours. Yeah. That's six, six, six zeros, So it's yeah. yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, a a, a smaller book, you know, maybe a hundred pages for a general audience might be. You know, thirty or forty hours of work. So it, it, but it's quite intensive. You spend about, you know, two thirds of the time writing the the actual index entries. So we have software where you write into it. it's a bit like a word processor, except it's mm. designed to, to handle um, index, you know, index entries. Mm. And so you you spend the first part of the time reading through the text and writing the entries as you go, and then about a third of the time you spend um, editing. Because often as you're going, you're going. I'm not sure if that's really a major topic in the book, but I'm going to put an entry in for it anyway, or that sort of thing. And then by the time you get to the end, you go, okay, there's only one entry for that for that particular topic. Yeah. I might just sit out because it's not significant enough. Yeah. It didn't end up being a major theme in the book, so I'll just. And often we're dealing with um, very strict page limits, so. Often a publisher will say, you know, you've got four pages for the index, make it fit, <laughs> in which case you often have to leave things out or, you know, combine things that you'd rather have sub-entries for and that sort of stuff. So there's um, there's always a juggling act with what the publisher needs, the, the complexity of the text, the um, you know, the author of publishers' um, budget, what they can afford in terms of your time. Um, how much room there is in the book, all that sort of stuff. It's it's complicated.
2: Yeah, sure. And so on National Indexing Day on the 29th of March 2018, uh, what will all the indexes in Australia be doing? What will you be doing to celebrate (laughs) National (laughs) Indexing Day? Uh, I I think all the local groups, because
0: we have groups that are in different states and territories around Australia and New Zealand, um, there's going to be like yeah, you know, sort of photo op. So there'll be—I know in Canberra we're doing a um, a thing of going to the national library Lob- um, now. There's one of the there's a, a, a sculpture which is sort of, I think it's at Gorman House with people sort of reading, and uh, it, it's an it's an appropriate sculpture. And there'll be a, a photo which we'll you know, we'll put out on Twitter and put on our Facebook, you know, our Facebook The sculpture of sort of stuff.
2: page numbers or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: something. Exactly. So it's, I was, i think it's like a sort of a, a person climbing up, and there's books and. Reading right. and books and things like that involved. It's going to be
2: So good. the interesting, um, one of the other things that you do is um, you also write and you have written um, a number of books, but one is Solving, crisp, solving Cryptic Crosswords for Dummies. So Indeed. How in the world did this come out? Are you a cryptic crossword nut? Yeah, well, I'm
0: actually a puzzle writer, and so that's something um, I do, like word searches and all sorts of crosswords and mazes and puzzles and I'll write pretty much anything. Um, And so cryptic crosswords is one of the things I've learnt to do and yeah how so I does, started actually with
2: how, how, how in the world do you learn to do that like oh uh,
0: yeah there aren't any the courses <gasps> yeah.
2: um actually there's a few books there's
0: a few books out there which are written by some of the the masters of the cryptic crossword um from the UK and they're books that um I've gotten and it's it's very much a try it and learn it and um yeah just practice and it's it's yeah, it, it's sort of an apprenticeship, but it's very difficult. It's very difficult but work.
2: How did this start? Did you also hear that somebody does this and go, "Oh, that's the perfect career for me"? It's
0: more it's something I've always done. Um, I know because I always get asked, "Oh, how did you start? Is it, when did you start as a crossword writer?" And I'm like, "Well, I've, I've sort of always done it. Like, I was the, I was the, you know, the annoying bossy big sister of six kids, and when I was, uh, when I was young, I used to make little." Like little activity books and things for my my brothers and sisters. So it's it's something I've always been interested in. And when my children were young, I sort of got a bit more interested in it. And my my dad and I wrote a um, a puzzle book together when my children were very little. And and then I sort of got more serious about it over the years. And you know tried to make it into a career. It's sort of kind of worked, but um, I, I'm syndicated, but yeah, puzzle sales have really dropped off since the global financial crisis. Um, you know, I used to be in all sorts of newspapers over, overseas, but that's pretty much all dried up now. Um, yeah, so puzzle writing isn't such a big thing of what I do now, but it's something I love. And yeah, it's it's one of those sort of weird, weird hats that I wear.
2: Yes, so solving cryptic crosswords for dummies is yep. presumably it's a book to help people who are crossword lovers to yes. solve the whole thing. And yeah, uh, it's, it's all well.
0: Cryptics are very much a, a, a mysterious language to most people, and uh, but basically they are written to a bunch of rules, and so the book is explaining the rules, and I've got lots of examples of, you know how to do and sort of lead people along, I think, in you know, a friendly and kindly manner on how to, so how to learn how to solve cryptics.
2: Wow. I I must admit I wouldn't have imagined there was a whole book in it, but obviously the Dummies books are um, extremely popular and very comprehensive. Yeah. Now I understand that with Dummies books they also follow quite a specific um, kind of format or formula or a, a, the way, yeah. a way in which um, information is presented and you're a yes. technical editor on three of their other titles, Dummies yes. titles. Um, yeah. How... Uh, can you just sort of briefly describe that that kind of format or formula
0: yeah so uh, that's actually how I started with dummies as they approached me as a puzzle writer to to tech edit one of their puzzle books from America so I actually've done um, the three titles I've tech edited were in for the states and um, yeah so there's it's very much like when you so when you're writing a dummy's book you've got um templates that uh, you use in word and and various things have to be actually be set up as yeah you know, using styles and that sort of thing so you've got um the the the, the layout sort of happens automatically because you've got to use particular styles uh, you work very closely with your editors project editors who've always been fantastic um and and there's also like there's actually like a dummies guide to writing dummies guides. So, so when you um, when you sign, sort of, no, is there really? Get, uh, well, it's, it's sort of it's an unofficial one, but it's it's, right. it's what they send out to all their authors. So you do get you know what sort of voice to use and mm-hmm. and the structure and how you need to have you know the little tips and how all that sort of stuff um, how they want it done, and and then you've got your project editor working with you to. Yeah, to make sure you're doing it the way they want to do it, but yeah. So, but it's it's always been very enjoyable working with Wiley. Um, my only beef with them really is that they give very, very tight deadlines, so Mm, um, it's very hard work. (laughs) You've got to write fast.
2: Yeah, sure. Now, I think one of the things I find really intriguing about what you do, because you said that you um, wear many hats. You know, you index, you edit, you write puzzles you write books but you also do graphic design now what (laughs) what came first the chicken or the egg so did you start which career did you start with just so I get a bit of background maybe
0: sort of the graphic design that was I, I was sort of science writing and science writing art were my were my things always when I was a teenager and in the end I actually I studied science at ANU, uh, at ANU at the university in Canberra, um, but then was feeling like it wasn't really where I wanted to go long term. And then graphic design was just starting up in Canberra in in the mid-'80s and I decided to, that sounded really interesting because it's sort of problem-solving as well as art and I really mm-hmm. find that very appealing. So I did a, um, a degree in graphic design and so that really came first. But then also at the same time, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should go do a writing course. So, you know, really, they were sort of together in both at the same time. Sorry. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah so graphic design was more my, my initial career. And mm-hmm. then the writing has sort of come later in terms of actual professional work. So.
2: so if you had to describe a typical day, maybe just take me through it because it just seems so varied what you do. Uh, maybe kind of like take me through the day. You wake up, do you have any particular ritual of the way you start the, your working day obviously? And oh, give me an idea of the things that you do in a typical day.
0: Oh, every day is very different really. There's not really a whole lot of um, routine, which is something I like. <laughs> Some the- of Part of the, the being your own boss thing, which I really like. Um, I guess I start my days with, you know, checking email, um, that sort of stuff, and then I'll, I use, um, do you know, bullet journals? Bullet yeah. journals. Yeah, I, I'm a, a big bullet journal I fan. I am
2: not surprised that you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you so the you month love before, I sat down and thought about all the things
0: I need to do. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> okay,
2: so your bullet and, uh, journal.
0: Yep, and so I do bullet journaling and that just helps me with going, okay, and I often try and work on the things that I'm sort of putting off like, you know, updating my business finances, <laughs> you know, doing some business chores and I tend to do those first in the day and sort of, you know, if there's any email, do I need to do some write some quotes, do I need to follow up on a late invoice or, yeah, you know, that sort of stuff and I try and do those business tasks early in the day and then um, fueled by copious quantities of tea, um, I'll get stuck into whatever it is I need to do, whether it's a graphic design job or whether it's working well, on an index. Or
2: Let's pretend yeah. you're indexing something. You've got an indexing gig and yep. is it something that you go, okay, I'm going to do this for the eight-hour day or no. is that something you can't do for eight hours? Just pretend yeah, you really you you've got an a indexing job on.
0: Yeah, you can't index solidly for eight hours. Your brain would explode. Uh, So (laughs) it's very, very intensive uh, mental work. Uh, And, in fact, with editing as well, I mean, there's nothing – you really can't just do it solidly. So what I tend to do is I've got – you know, I have a Russian indexing job coming in next week, for instance, and I will – I'll do a couple of hours, and then I'll go and do something else for a bit. Or go for a walk, or do a bit of housework, or something, just to give my brain a break, and then come back to it for another hour or two. And so you can, I I can usually do back in uh, back an hour at a time, maybe two hours if I'm really pushing it. But it's yeah, your brain just really needs a break. So it's how very many? Hard.
2: How many hours max would you do in a day if it's indexing since it's so um,
0: – It depends on the, of the deadline. Like I tend to sort of go, okay, well, how many days have I got and how many hours is it going to take me? And that means I need to do, you know, six hours a day to to make the deadline. And, you okay. know, yeah, sometimes – so you're often, if it's a really tight deadline, you're often working into the night and over weekends. So, and yeah. And what's
2: it, the most – sorry, you go on. Oh, it, it depends. <laughs> basically. Oh, okay, right, sure. Um, what's the most challenging thing about indexing?
0: Oh, there are many. For me, it's really feeling that you've analysed the topic accurately and well, and that you've looked at not just you know, the names on the page that you want to pick out, but you've understood the overarching theme of a page, you know, so it might be something that's not actually specifically written on the page but you've got to analyse it and think how would I sum up that entire content very succinctly and accurately and elegantly um, so that the reader, so that you're reflecting what the author's trying to get across and what the reader's going to look for. So for me that sort of – Topic analysis is is quite challenging at times.
2: And what's the most challenging thing about writing puzzles?
0: Ah, oh, like writing cryptics. <laughs> writing stuff that's um, writing stuff that's fair. I think is the most challenging thing because it's very very easy to write a puzzle that is way too hard and is too hard for anyone to actually solve. And it's much harder to write a puzzle whether it's a crossword or a maze or a a find-a-word or whatever, that is pitched for the audience correctly. So whether that's kids or whether it's, you know, adults who are learning English as a second language or whether it's, um, you know, the general public, you've got to write or design or whatever so that it's a challenge for the people but not so hard that they're going to give up.
2: Mm. And finally what's the most rewarding thing about writing a puzzle oh writing something
0: that's very clever is very satisfying mm-hmm. and if, if someone's you know solved it and battled it out and got it it's yeah I, I find it very enjoyable Do you ever know,
2: like do people write to puzzle makers and say, I love your puzzles? Um,
0: Sometimes. It's very rare. Um, When your stuff's in a newspaper generally, it's not attributed to you. Like you don't get any credit for it. Um, I I seem to keep doing things where I get no credit, hey? (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit like indexing. It's like no one ever knows. Uh, (laughs) But I do sometimes get, uh, I've had, especially when I, I had a, um, an ABC radio show for a little while about cryptics and, mm. and so we'd actually get people, you know, talking to me on the, on the radio and that was kind of fun. Um, mm. And, yeah, but, yeah, I don't often get a lot of feedback.
2: <laughs> well, well, thank you so much for giving us a look behind the scenes of uh, something that you're right. Often we don't know who is behind the index, who is behind the puzzle, but this was a really fascinating insight. Thank you so much for your time today, Denise.
0: You are very welcome.
2: This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses our popular course creative writing stage one is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing you only need a couple of hours a week and you'll learn how to create memorable characters believable dialogue and captivating plots all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course whether your goal is to write a bestseller or simply tell better stories learn at home with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing. There you go, Denise Sutherland. Now, Al, do you do crosswords?
1: Well, I used to do them more often than I do them now, and I'm just trying to think why that would be. I think it was because I used to get a newspaper Mm. every day actually delivered to my house. And I don't do that anymore. And I think it's so – I used to do the crossword in the newspaper. My mum and dad do. They do the crossword every single day. They have forever. Like the two of them sitting there arguing over what, you know, 21 down is. And it drives my mum crazy because dad gets up earlier than she does and he will sit there and he will fill it all out. And he just puts in – well, he puts in what he thinks and then it's not always right. But he fills it out in pen. And so then she gets up and she's like, no, it's this – and so then they argue about, I mean, you know, look, it's fun and games at my mum and dad's house in the morning, let me tell you. Um, so there's a lot of discussion around the various crosswords, but they do both. They do the straight wow. crossword and they do the cryptics and they prefer the cryptics.
2: Do they finish the crossword?
1: Yes. Really? Pretty much every day. Oh, yeah. Well, Until by the, the time end? they've argued about it for two hours, you know, wow. you can generally come up with 21 down.
2: Do you, have you ever finished a crossword?
1: Uh, yes. I used to do the um, the other one I used to do, really enjoy. It was I don't even know if they still do it anymore, but the women's weekly used to do a massive crossword every month. yeah, um, yeah and I, I have been known to finish the women's weekly crosswords. Like I'm, I, I'm actually not bad at a crossword once I get on a roll. But I've lost maybe I've lost the patience for them or something. I don't know. I can you s- you're supposed to do them because, you know, they're good for your brain training yes. and all of that kind of stuff, right?
2: Yes, yes. I get very distracted. I will start a crossword, but it is rare for me to finish one.
1: Oh, yeah, no. I think once I get started. But I I also, so this is the other thing. I I did try to learn, because cryptic crosswords are a fair skill, right? Oh, yes. I I did try to learn how to do them, and I was fine as long as I could, because I've got this book. Mum and Dad gave me a book, right, that was how to do cryptic crosswords, you know, for oldest daughters who really need to know better. Um, so they gave me the book and while I had the, like the rules that were in the back of the book, so while I could actually look at the clue and try to figure out what was going on but then I could check the rules in the back of the book, I was fine and I was able to do the crossword. But the minute I attempted a crossword cryptic that was elsewhere, like in the paper or something, mm. I was right back to square one with no idea.
2: Yeah, right. Mm. Wow. Wow. Mm. Okay, yeah, they they I, I, they're, they stump me often. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> well, I guess I don't put spend enough time on them because I do get distracted. But um, yeah, they're quite fun mm. and a bit stressful.
1: Stressful? Yeah, they're I only stressful for different. people who are very competitive with themselves, like you are, Valerie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay. So, what have you got happening in the coming week apart from your exciting launch? What's just happening on the Alison home front?
1: Uh, well, that's pretty much like that takes up a lot of time really, the, um, that. But I also have on the Alison home front, um, Bookboy has, uh, has a gig. So I will be oh, attending cool. another gig. I'm like gig central this month. So he'll be off doing that and I will be carrying the guitar and driving the car, which is pretty much my role in life right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll be doing that. and You're the roadie. Uh, I am the roadie um, and then Bookboy Junior is also, he's he's back into both soccer and rugby so there's a lot of time spent, oh, you know, watching small boys run around with balls. Um, yes. So there's that going on as well.
2: Very yeah. exciting.
1: Oh, too exciting for words. <laughs> and um, what about you? What are you up to?
2: Yeah. Um, I am heading to Melbourne. Um, I'll be running a full day workshop on how to build your profile and, you know, how to get into the media and how to use content marketing. So, that should be fun for, for a great group of people there. And um, I am getting my stairs sanded.
1: <laughs> oh, that, that's exciting. Yes. I'm really glad you shared that with us. <laughs> I wouldn't have lived without that info.
2: Well, here's the thing, when you get your stairs sanded, you mm. can't use them for two days. Oh. Which is Are you quite sleeping difficult. in the kitchen? Well, I've timed it for the days that I'm in Melbourne. How good's that?
1: That's great. <laughs> and your partner will be He's doing what? <laughs>
2: he reckons he's gonna put a ladder on the side of the house and climb <laughs> <laughs> into the bathroom that
1: way. I thought he would maybe just like take up residence on the couch with Netflix and never be seen again.
2: Yes, but there's no bathroom on the bottom level. So, oh, yeah, that's, that's just right. really he cruel. Needs to wow. the, that's, that's like why. mean.
1: That's so mean. <laughs> I can't believe you did that.
2: <laughs> I know, clever, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So, I'll be looking forward to a full report of how that goes.
2: <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I arranged the dates.
1: <laughs> yes, you've done well. You've done well.
2: All right, where do we find me on, online, Al?
1: You will find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You will find me on Twitter at at Al tate A-L-T-A-I-T. And you will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison tate Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you?
2: You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And do connect with both Alison and I on Facebook. Um, Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and join the group. It's free to join and it's just some awesome, lovely conversations happening in there. Mm. So do come and join us. Of course, you can find the show notes at au. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time.